Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. God gets the credit. Uh, Kelsey, if you're watching today from Southern Indiana, we're so glad for the way you've found Christ. We're so glad you were part of the I Choose Peace study and that God used that in your life. And I want to say thank you to all of you. About three or four years ago, God gave us a vision to build digital tools to reach people online. And it seemed a little bit impossible at the time, but many of you stepped out in faith to believe in that. And there are real people like Kelsey uh, who God has met and who God is transforming and helping because of your faithfulness. So thanks for being part of that. Welcome everyone over in Avon. We're so glad that you guys are part of what God is doing. I'm looking out at our Brownsburg campus and there's hardly an open seat in the room. And so I'm really glad uh, that God led us about six months ago to start a campus in Avon. And I will tell you in detail these stories in the upcoming weeks, but I heard this last week about five different people who have met Christ and have placed their faith in him at our Avon campus, uh, each of them really pretty radical kind of new believer stories. So yeah, can we just celebrate that God's at work? Uh, and if you're our guest, something we want you to know, Connection Point, we're not about um, church in the like traditional religious sense. We're all about Jesus uh, because we're a group of people who have found in him everything that we were looking for. And so it's less about religion, it's more about you having a relationship with God. And if it's your first time with us, if you're just kind of checking it out, we want you to know that we're all about Jesus. We often say this in our church. In our church, Christ, that's Jesus, is the head of the church. We're not about a personality, we're about a person, Jesus. His word, the Bible's our guide, and his spirit is our power. So if, if you sense God at work here, it's because we try to keep him the main thing. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I gave you guys an update about a new family member in our household named Sonny. Here's a picture of Sonny, a little puppy that we added to our family. And in case you missed it, my dilemma with Sonny is this. She's super cute, very submissive, but every time she runs up to me, she pees. And then, like, as if she's trying to make it worse, but she's not, it's just her nature, she then rolls over on her back in the pee. And so it's been this dilemma. I shared it a couple weeks ago, and uh, many of you have sent me emails and other tips of advice. And so I wanted to send a progress report. And the good news is this. Sonny is down to pee greeting me about uh, one out of 10 times. We went from about nine out of 10 to one out of 10. So in two weeks, major improvement. And if you've had a puppy um, or a small child, you know that, you know, one issue... (laughs) One issue gets resolved, and then it's another. So uh, here's the next one. We had these leather pillows in our <laughs> living room, and um, Sunny really likes the taste of leather. Anything that's left out that's leather, uh, she finds. And so there, there's kind of a close-up of the damage. And so here's the sad thing. We've got this little cage, this kennel. Uh, and at nighttime, when we're not there to monitor her behavior, we have to put her in there. And what she doesn't know is that I would love for her to just be able to roam the house freely. I want that for her, but I can't trust her yet. And I want to talk with you today about how God doesn't want you living life in a cage. Uh, There's this kind of fear that we have. If I do things God's way, my life will be smaller. I'll be trapped. But the reality is God is a good father who wants you living the biggest, freest life that you possibly can. And the sad thing is there are things God wants for us that if we're not really following him, sometimes we find ourselves in a little cage. And that's not because he doesn't love us. It's just the consequence of us doing things our own way. And he's kind of waiting for us to learn so we can live a life of freedom. Here's a human example of this. An Olympic skier named Tommy Moe 
1994, he won the gold medal at the Olympics in Norway, but it wasn't uh, where he started. He kind of started in a cage, and here's what I mean. At age 15, he was a child prodigy. And it was so clear he was going to be one of the best skiers in the world. So the U.S. ski team invited him to come and start training with them. And he did, but he kind of found the party scene. You know, his parents weren't there. And the coaches of the U.S. ski team found out that Tommy kept sneaking out, smoking pot, getting drunk. And so they kicked him off the team. Well, Tommy had a good dad, Tommy Sr. And Tommy's dad was a construction worker in Alaska. Now, if you're not familiar, in Alaska, in the summer, the days are super long. The sun hardly sets. And in the winter, the days are, are very short. So Tommy's dad said, okay, I think I know what my son needs. He brought him up to Alaska to work construction. Tommy Jr. went from, you know, a fine dining and Olympic training to waking up at 4 a.m. every day, working 12 to 16-hour days under the Arctic sun. And his dad says, quote, I worked his rear end off. And then I asked him, would you rather be here doing this for the rest of your life or skiing in Argentina with the U.S. ski team? You can imagine Tommy Jr. said, um, I'll go back, Dad, and I'll be a good boy. <laughs> well, he did, and he trained hard, and he went on to uh, earn the gold medal. He says this about those, those days where he was up in Alaska, quote, it was mental torture, bad news. It humbled me up pretty fast. Now, here's my question for you in your life. Do you want to be, in your life, the equivalent of working the 12 to 16-hour day construction job or living in the freedom of your ultimate potential? Uh, whether that's an Olympian, for most of us it's not, but there's potential God has for you uh, in your career, in your thought life, in your inner peace, in your relationships. There's a potential God has for you that you can either kind of realize or miss out on based on your choices. Now, God still loves you unconditionally either way, just like Tommy's dad did, and just like I love my puppy either way. But are the choices that you're making ones that are landing you in a cage or on the path to freedom? We're in this series called Jesus Follower. And it really is a series for those who've believed in Jesus for salvation. If you haven't done that yet, you're welcome to keep gathering with us. Come and see what it's all about. But our relationship with God starts with belief. We're saved by grace through faith, that is belief, not by our own works. But after we believe, Jesus says, come and follow me. So we believe and our sins are forgiven and we have a place in heaven and we're adopted into the family of God. But that doesn't mean that automatically your marriage improves or your finances improve or you all of a sudden get on the path for your best career. Those things happen when you start to choose in this life right now to follow Jesus. So that's what we're learning to do. And in this series, we're really demystifying that. I know the Bible's a big book. It actually has 66 little books in it. There's thousands of verses. And it can seem like, well, where do I start? There's so many things. So in this series, we're really simplifying it down to five really basic things. And as we do these, they are really the answer to this question, how do you get God's best for your life? Not only how do you get salvation in eternity, that's by believing in Jesus, but right now, how do you get God's best for your life. Or you could put it this way. How do you follow Jesus in a way that makes a difference? It actually improves your relationships, your mood, your inner life, your career, yourself. Well, Jesus answers this question in John chapter 8. And here's what he says. Jesus said to the people who believed in him. So this is a great passage for this series. You have believed, now what's next? And here's what Jesus says. You are truly my disciples. Now, what does that word mean? It means followers. It means students. Uh, if you think of how like a, a plumber or an electrician, they'll start their trade as an apprentice, learning from someone who's further along, and they'll watch, you know, here's how you tie those wires together. Here's how you fit that pipe. An apprentice is what a disciple is, a follower. Jesus says, now that you've believed in me, if you really want to see me change your life now, you need to take an apprentice mindset and start to really learn of me in your daily life. 
And he says, you're truly one of these apprentices of mine or followers if you remain faithful to my teachings. In other words, the actual words of Jesus, which are recorded in the Bible. So Jesus says, if you're reading my words and, and doing your best to follow them, you don't have to be perfect, but you're really making an effort, then you're really one of my disciples. And then, as a result of that, this well-known quote, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In other words, you won't be living in a cage. You won't be working a 16-hour day if your calling and potential is something higher. You'll be living your life of freedom. You'll know the truth. That, that's a, a word there, gnosko is the word in Greek. And it means to know in your mind, but it really means to experience. Like someone would know this word, skydiving, if they've actually done it. If they've only read about it, they don't know skydiving. That's what this word know means. So he says, when you start to obey me, you know what I say about life and you do it, then you'll start to really experience my freedom and live life outside of a cage. Put it this way, reading and obeying God's word is a way of life for Jesus' followers. What's God's word? It's the Bible. And I, I know so many awesome Christians who are amazing followers of Jesus who would stand up here and say, I'm not a reader, okay? You don't have to be a reader. You don't have to be a nerd. You don't have to be an academic. In fact, Jesus' own disciples, many of them probably didn't know how to read, but they listened to the words of God. And, and in today's culture, especially, you can listen to the Bible while you drive. We'll get into more applications of this. But I want you to know, in love, if you really want to experience Jesus in your life, you've got to choose to say, I'm going to know what the Bible says about life, and I'm going to obey it. And so today, very simply, I want to teach you, you know, how do you do this? Why does this matter? And I want to give you some tools that you can use in your life right now, whether you just believed in Jesus last week or you're still checking it out or you've been a Christian for 90 years. E either way, I've got tools for you today. Uh, here's an example of what we're talking about, probably my favorite NBA athlete, Steph Curry. Steph Curry, if you were to compare him to some of the other superstars like LeBron James or Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan, Steph Curry is not nearly as athletic Obviously, he is athletic, but he's not nearly as athletic as those guys. Steph Curry is one of the all-time greats because he practiced his way to greatness. You know, if you think of a sport like basketball, and the same would be true with football and soccer and a lot of other sports, while there are hundreds of things that can be done, there are usually four or five basics. So if you think of basketball, you've got dribbling the ball, passing, shooting, defense, rebounding, and the all-time greats, it's not that they know thousands of things that every other basketball player doesn't know. They just excel at the basics. In fact, most of the all-time greats, it's really just two or three of the basics. If you think of Steph Curry, uh, it's his dribbling and his shooting. Two of the five basics where he's just, he's so far above average that it makes him one of the all-time greats. And I want you to know that following Jesus and really becoming a disciple where you see it change your marriage, it changes your thoughts, it frees you from addiction, it, it makes you a, a, an employee who has higher character and who your boss wants to promote. You don't have to learn a thousand things, but you master these basics. Here are the basics we've learned so far. Surrender was week one. And again, this is not a list of a thousand in this whole series, it'll be a list of five. In fact, I think these three are, are the three most important. If you would master one or two of these three, you will start to see God really, really move the needle in changing your life for the better. Surrender is the first one because if we don't have a heart of surrender, the others become religion. We're not like praying to try to please God. We're not reading the Bible to try to please God. We're understanding that through Jesus, God is pleased with us. When you place your faith in him, when you ask Jesus to forgive your sins and you believe that he's God, now when heaven looks down at you, um, God the Father sees Jesus in you. And so now it's saying, who am I as a daughter of God or as a son of God? How do I live this way? And so surrender 
God, I want to do your will in my life. That's step one. Learning to pray last week. Did you guys enjoy having Kurt Harlow here? Uh, Kurt's an awesome communicator. And uh, if you missed it or if you want to review, that message is on our website. Kurt really demystified prayer. It's not a big religious thing. It doesn't need to sound fancy. Uh, Prayer's as simple as sitting in your car and closing the door and saying, you know, God, here's what I'm upset about today. Here's what I'm worried about today. And if you want to really follow Jesus, prayer will become one of your habits, not in a religious way, but in a lifestyle way. And then the one that we're learning today is seeking God's word. And if you think, John, I don't know how to do that. I once opened the Bible. It seems so boring. It seems so weird. I've had that experience. Many of us have had that experience. I just want to encourage you, you're doing this right now. Every weekend when you gather here or you join us online, we open the Bible. In fact, I'll, I'll often hear from people who visit here. They'll say, that was the best message I ever heard, or I've never heard God speak like that. Do you know why that is? It has nothing to do with who's on stage that week. It has everything to do with the fact that we as a church always open the Word of God and we teach you God's Word. And so you're actually doing it right now. You might not know that you're already kind of a Bible reader, but you are, and we're going to help you grow in that as a lifestyle. Attitudes of a Jesus follower. This is summarizing these same three things in slightly different language. Uh, I will be a person who surrenders to God and obeys. So again, this is, we're not saying you have to be perfect at these, you need to earn your salvation with these, that's not what we're saying at all. We're saying after you trust in Jesus, you're a new creation, you have a new nature, and God actually wants to take you on a new path, but you still have a will every day to choose, will I choose God's new path? And so surrender is really just an attitude or a mindset that says, who am I? I'm the kind of person who surrenders to God and obeys. If God says to go this way and I want to go this way, I'll go this way. Do I still sin and fail and sometimes go this way? Yes, I do. We all do. But then we repent. We turn back to God and we say, God, forgive me. I'm stupid. I was doing it my own way. I know that'll lead me to a cage. I want your freedom. Lead me in your way. So it's, it's a mindset. Let's go back to the basketball analogy. Can, could you imagine, let's think of a high, school, uh, a high school boy who like he's tall, he's athletic. He's like, I, I want to play basketball in college, maybe go to the NBA, hopefully at least get a college scholarship. And his coach says, all right, obviously you got to master the basics. He says, well, dribbling's not for me. You know, dribbling, ball handling, I don't do that. I just, well, his coach would be like, yeah, well, you're not on the team, Okay. Jesus doesn't kick you off the team, but you're obviously not going to be like a a free follower of Jesus if you're like, that's not even my attitude, okay? So attitude one, we learned week one. Last week we learned, I'll be a person who prays. I might not have it all figured out. I might never feel like I'm good at it, but just I am going to be that kind of person. And then today we're learning, I'll be a person who seeks the Bible, Not so that I sound religious or not to please people or try to please God even, but I want to seek the Bible because I believe God's path for my life is better than mine, and I'm going to look at the Bible, and then I'm going to try to do what it says. You know, when we start eating, uh, it can be a little bit messy. Here's an example of this. I thought this picture was pretty funny. You know, if you think, man, I'm not really a Bible reader. I don't know how to do this. I just want to encourage you. Think of physically how we mature and progress in our eating. You know, none of us emerged from the womb like eating a ribeye steak. We, we are born and we have to start with milk. Like universally, we have to start with milk. And then we grow a little and we get this pureed stuff. And it's messy, and you know, some days you don't want to eat, and your parents have to do the airplane thing. I had to do that with my kids, and that's a fun season. (laughs) I just want to encourage you, start where you're at. And step one really is what you're doing right now. When you gather here every weekend, um, we work really hard all week to prepare a meal for you. A meal that is easy to digest, that anyone, it tastes good, but that also has a lot of nutrition in it. We kind of are like chefs. (laughs) That's our job, is to to give you God's word. But then as you grow older, I mean, imagine like a 48-year-old dude. You're at a restaurant and you look over and he's with his mom and he's got a bib on and she's like feeding him this pureed stuff on a spoon. You'd be like, that's just kind of weird for a 48-year-old dude. 
And so we want you to always be here getting the meal we've prepared. But as you grow in Christ, God wants you to learn to be able to feed yourself. Now, I'll be the first to admit, I hate making my own food, and I'm really bad at it in, in real life, you know? And so it's, it's okay if you never feel like, man, studying the Bible's my great strength. I think just like Steph Curry's a, an amazing shooter in basketball, He's not the world's best rebounder. He's good on defense, but he's not the best. Um, you know, certain believers of these things we're learning, some of you, it's like surrender, that one comes naturally. Some of you praying, that comes naturally. Some of you studying the word of God, reading it, that comes naturally. If it doesn't, that's okay. You just got to get to kind of a intermediate proficiency level. So here's what we're doing today. We're giving you the basics and literally giving you, if you don't have one, this life application study Bible. Uh, these Bibles, if you look them up on Amazon, they cost like 30-something dollars for the big hardback ones that we give away. And we give away tens of thousands of dollars of these Bibles every year. Because I'm of the belief, I've seen it in my life, if you'll start to read the Word of God, even just a verse, one verse, and it connects with your life, and you obey it that day, your life starts to change. I mean, I want this for you. So we give these away as part of our ministry to you. If you'll read it, we've got these out in the lobby at all our campuses. Uh, I'll put up a screen later if you're online of a word that you can text. And I want to encourage you, if you've never read the Bible before, to start in the book called John. And you can remember that if you want, because my name is John. That's not why I picked it. But John is really the pure milk of Jesus' life and words. Anyone can understand it, and you can choose to believe it, and you will feel yourself growing. Now, I, just as an um, illustration of how important this is, but also how attainable this is, um, I'll tell you a little bit about our family. So I've got a 12-year-old son named Jack, and when Jack was 10, I started him on a Bible reading program where he reads one chapter a day. You don't have to read a whole chapter, by the way. He reads a chapter a day. So all of his age 10 life, all of his age 11 life, now he's 12 going on 13, he's been reading the Bible every day. And you might say, John, how in the world did you get a 10-year-old, an 11-year-old, a 12-year-old to do that? The answer is very simple. I bribe him. <laughs> With cash money, I bribe him. And I, frankly, I think it's the best investment I'll ever make in my life because I have already seen, I have Jack read the book of Proverbs, which is a lot of basic, um, here's what wise people do, here's what foolish people do. Make these kind of friends, don't make these kind of friends. And, and I already see it impacting his life, even as a 12-year-old. And now here, especially if you're in middle or high school, you can take this and you can talk to your parents about this today. They can start investing in your own Bible reading, okay? Here's the way it works, though. Uh, it's all or nothing on a month-by-month -month basis. So Jack has a journal, and, and this is helpful no matter your age. You leave your journal with your Bible, leave them in the same place so you can't lose them. You do it the same time every day. If you're a morning person, do it in the morning. Uh, if you're a night owl, do it at night right before you go to bed. If you have a job where you always have a lunch break and you're by yourself, you could do it at lunch. Jack has his Bible and his journal laying next to each other, so he doesn't even have to open it. It's just there, and it's, he's right where he left off. He writes the day's date. He writes, you know, Proverbs 24, or now he's going through the New Testament. And then for that chapter, if he wants his dollar for the day, he's got to find one verse that has something to do with his life and just write a very simple prayer, God, help me do this today. Now, parents, here's where you get off the hook a little bit. 30 days, it's all or nothing. If he misses one day in the month, zero dollars. But if he gets them all, it's $30. That's $360 a year. That's pretty good money for a middle or high school student. Uh, but here's my point. A 10, 11, 12-year-old boy can do this. You can do this. If you're truly motivated, you can do this. And I am not here to shame you or guilt you. Please, please don't hear that. I know the Bible can seem intimidating, but the reason we pick the one that we give away is it is written at about an eighth grade reader level, and it's got study tools. It's like having a pastor with you. Every verse has an explanation under it. Here's what this means for your life. So, okay, we've got that for you today. Uh, we've got another tool that I believe is valuable and it is a free tool to you and it's something that we created because we believe so much in the word of God in your life and as we prayed about how do we get the Bible to real people every day um, we started about 
three years ago, a daily text message. You get it every morning and you just click on the link and it's usually a one or two minute video where I just read you a Bible verse and I explain what it is. So I want you to imagine right now in your life, uh, your morning routine. I- imagine the sink where you get ready. Do you see it? Where you, you know, shave or put on your makeup or hopefully you look in the mirror at some point before you head out in the day. Or imagine the breakfast table where you eat. And this is where um, thousands of people now every day do this, it's called daily hope. And the point is just to get you into the Bible to start your day, get you a little dose of God's word. I wanted to bring a sample because we've talked about it, but I want to make sure you see it. And as you're watching it, if this is a way that you would want to connect with the word of God daily, then just text the word daily to the number while you watch it. Go ahead and take a look. Hey, I've got a great prayer for you as you start your day with God today from Psalm 119, three verses, and uh, just open your heart right now and just pray this along with me. It says, uh, it's a prayer to God, God, reassure me of your promise. Where do you need to be reassured of God's promise to you? Made to those who fear you. God, I fear you. Doesn't mean we are afraid he's gonna strike us dead, but God, I respect you. I revere you. As the Lord's Prayer starts, hallowed be your name. You're in charge of the universe, and I want you to be in charge of my life. So recapping this prayer for your day, God, reassure me of your promise. Uh, Maybe you need to look back through some of the promises of Scripture. God, uh, help me to fear you. Help me to revere you. Verse 39, help me abandon my shameful ways. Anything you feel dirty or shameful about, ask God to help you abandon that. For your regulations, your guidance in my life is good. God, I long to obey your commandments. Renew my life. He can renew where you feel dead, where you feel fatigued, where you feel apathetic. God can renew you. And the verse says, the prayer, renew my life with your goodness. Beautiful prayer. Um, You can dig more into Psalm 119. I'll see you tomorrow for more Daily Hope. So, so it's as simple as that, and I just want you to know, you know, today you can get a Life Application Study Bible. You can start receiving that every morning. If your heart is really to connect with the Word of God, it is that simple. Now, here's the question that we started with today. How do you get God's best for your life? And I think we've made it clear. You're not earning your salvation but you've received the free gift of salvation, so now you're like an heir. The moment you trust in Jesus, you become an inheritor of all of God's power, his wealth. How do you now learn to live like an inheritor of heaven? Here's another passage that answers this question. Romans 12 says this, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Why? Because they land you in a cage. But instead, let God transform you into a new person. It doesn't say work really hard to be something you're not. It says, God, the God who brought you to salvation, he will be faithful to complete you and do things in you you could never do for yourself. But you do have to decide, am I going to let God make me the person he wants me to be? I was reading this last week about the average state of an adult in America. A new survey just came out that one out of 10 adults in the U.S. self-identifies as depressed. Um, It gets a lot worse the younger you go. Um, From middle school to 25-year-olds, one out of four self-identify as depressed. 13% of Americans, when asked, are you satisfied, 13%, in other words, nine out of 10 roughly, say, I'm not satisfied. Half of marriages, and weddings are so expensive these days, half of them end in divorce. Most people, when asked, do you like your job, say, no, I don't like your job. But we wake up every morning, and we go buy the same stuff as everyone else, and do the same stuff as everyone else, and believe the same stuff as everyone else, thinking, well, it'll make me happy. But it clearly isn't working. So when God says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, he's not saying, I want to add a bunch of heavy religious rules on your life. He's saying, the way of this world doesn't work. Not only does it not deliver eternal life, but it doesn't deliver fulfillment and purpose in this life. So instead, let me transform you. How? Here's the how. By changing the way you think. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
That's why we have to listen to or read God's truth and then say, oh, I was thinking I would do this, but God, you said to do this. And one little choice at a time, it changes the way we think. And that ends up, when you change the way you think, it ends up changing the way you feel and what you're drawn to and who you choose to be friends with and what kind of career appeals to you. And when your marriage is stuck and your, everything in your nature says, that's it, I'm done with her or I'm done with him, when you're thinking the way God does, it changes you in those moments. You choose to go his way. Look at the result. Then, when you let God change your thinking, you will learn to know God's will for you. This word will, you know, in our culture, the word will is like a big heavy word, you know, because when we die, whoever gets all our stuff is in our will. But this word will, thelema is the Greek word, and it means desire or want. So you realize God wants good things for you? Because look at the end of the verse. What is God's desire for you? Things that are good, things that are pleasing. In fact, God has a perfect desire for you. An Olympic life rather than 16 hours of manual labor life. But you do have to decide, will I walk his way in my life? You will achieve or realize God's best plan for your life when you let him shape your thinking. So in summary, what? Let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. You're doing that right now. Even right now, there's a spiritual battle for some of you going on in your heart. Hmm, I don't know about this. Letting God decide what I do in my marriage? Letting God decide? I don't know about this. That's the surrender piece, right? Every day that you read a little of God's word or listen to it, you have a surrender choice. And if you keep surrendering, you start to see him work in your life. Why? Well, if you'll do that, then you will experience God's good desires for your career, for your sexuality, for your relationships, for your desires, you'll experience his best. You could put it this way, reading and obeying God's word will change your habits. In fact, if you'll make this one habit a habit of your life, I'm, I'm gonna listen to at least some of God's word every day and I'm gonna obey it. That habit will start to change all your other habits. It'll start to change what you watch, how long you watch it, what you say to the people in your house, how hard you work, it will start to change everything else, your mood, your relationships, your legacy, what people are gonna say about you at the end of your life, all for the better. Uh, speaking of legacy, last weekend when Kurt Harlow was here, um, I had been asked to speak to some uh, Christian leaders from around the country and around the world, and it was a gathering up in the mountains of North Carolina at a place called the Billy Graham Center. Now, if you've never heard of Billy Graham, here's a picture of him. And Billy Graham's one of my heroes because from like the late 1940s until about the 1990s, um, he, God worked in his life and he would tell people about Jesus and literally huge sports stadiums would be filled with people and he would tell them about Jesus. And there are millions of people today around the world who know God and who've been set free uh, because of the ministry of Billy Graham. And this is my favorite picture of him. I actually have this picture hanging up in my office because of the Bible that's on his lap. Because there are a lot of things about Billy Graham's life that I would love to be true of me at the end of my life. And one of those things is that he always stayed true to the word of God in his personal life and in his ministry. Here's a, a great quote about life. Quote, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. And I have seen this time and again as a pastor. And again, I'm not saying you have to become a nerd and study for hours a day. That's not it at all. It's just enough that, you know, okay, God says this, I'm going to obey it. You go do it. You do that day after day, week after week, year after year. It will change the trajectory of your life. It will change how you go through trials and crises. It'll change your very legacy. Speaking of legacy, here's a few examples. I could give you hundreds, but uh, I'll just point you to five. I'm not going to unpack them in detail. These are people that any atheist would look and say, wow, that person changed the world for the better. The Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., a Baptist pastor, leader of the civil rights movement. Abraham Lincoln, uh, who really brought the nation together during the Civil War. Booker T. Washington, an African-American who in the years after the Civil War, when most African-Americans were living in just abject poverty, created the Tuskegee Institute 
a, a college and university for African Americans where people who knew nothing but poverty and that was all their life would be became doctors and attorneys and engineers. Mother Teresa, Isaac Newton, one of the founders of the scientific revolution. You know what those five have in common? And I could give you hundreds more, but I won't. They all read their Bible regularly. And we know this because of their own writings, because of them quoting the Bible day after day. And in the case of the newer ones, like MLK and Mother Teresa, we have recordings of them talking about it. How did they become these powerful, world-changing people, these amazing people that everyone looks up to? By their own account, it was from reading the Bible every day. Because the Bible, it's not just a book, it's the very Word of God. Here's how Booker T. Washington put it on May 24th of 1900. As a rule, a person should get into the habit of reading their Bible. If you wish to properly direct your mind, which as a result will direct your life, then read your Bible every day. Post-Civil War, the whole nation is torn apart. I mean, we think things are divided now, and they are. But literally, people were killing each other. The nation was divided. The economy was in shambles. And as everything is rebuilding, Booker T. Washington, as an African-American man, looks around and he said this, quote, The people doing the vital things of life right now are those who read the Bible, those who are Christians and are not ashamed to let the world know it. I could give you a bunch of others. I'll just end with this one. In another speech, he once said, we must learn to incorporate God's word into our thoughts and our speech and our actions. And he says this, frequent reference is made in the Bible to the freedom that comes from being a Christian. The freedom. Not life in a cage. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if we're following Jesus, does he ever model this for us? I want to take you very quickly into a true story where Jesus not only taught this, but he modeled it. It's Matthew chapter 4, and this is early in Jesus' ministry. He had just been baptized, which typically is a symbol of our forgiveness of sins. You think, well, if Jesus was God and not a sinner, why was he baptized? And it was an example to us that that's part of following him. When he came up out of the water at his baptism, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. In other words, um, Jesus is the Messiah. He's God on earth. Well, immediately after that spiritual high, he gets led out by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. You know, I think, man, why, why that? <laughs> well, the why is because the first humans, Adam and Eve, they didn't live in a wilderness. They lived in a perfect garden. You've probably heard of it, the Garden of Eden. They had all the food they wanted, organic, all natural, <laughs> no chemicals added. Um, they were naked. They were fit. They were in love. Like they, they had a perfect dream life. And this fallen angel named Lucifer, de the devil, Satan, came to them. He whispers in their ear, God's holding out on you. Don't do it God's way. Uh, if you will choose to disobey the one thing that God told you not to do, you could have a better life. And what does it do? It lands them in a cage where now their bodies wear out and die. And all of us as their, their uh, descendants, all our bodies are broken. We're born into a caged world spiritually. Jesus came to set us free. So Jesus, now that he's been baptized in God the Father's plan, he's out in the desert to show that where Adam and Eve fell short, he is perfect. In other words, where they sinned and where we sin, he doesn't sin. Now, I've got to cruise through this, but the point is this. 40 days and 40 nights he fasted. The point of that is not just that he wasn't eating, it's that he was praying. He's like praying to God, and of course, he became very hungry. Big understatement, 40 days. There's a TV show called Alone. I don't know if any of you had a TV show that carried you through the pandemic. Something that you binge watched during COVID? I know you all do. You're looking at me like, no, I don't, John. That's, that's really interesting that you did. Well, one of my COVID binge shows was this uh, reality show called Alone on the History Channel. And the contestants will get dropped off in the wilderness. They'll have about 10 survival pieces of gear, like a knife and an axe and a tarp. Um, no modern tools are allowed. And they have to live off the land. 
And I noticed watching this show that at the 40-day mark, many of them break mentally. Uh, you can watch, there's six or seven or eight seasons now, and almost season after season, there will be around the 40-day mark, people, they've built their little shelter, they've learned to um, kill some of the animals, they've got stew, they're eating, but after 40 days of being alone, they start to kind of lose their mind and they tap out and call for the helicopter to come and get them. I th that's so interesting, it's usually around 40 days. At 40 days, Satan comes Jesus is at his weakest. He's alone. Unlike Adam and Eve, he doesn't have um, a spouse. He doesn't have a garden. He's at his weakest. He's at his lowest. He's alone. In verse 3, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you're the son of God, and this happens to all of us, God says who you are. God says, um, sisters in Christ, that you're beautiful. God says that you're wanted. God says that you're desired. Um, God says, brothers in Christ, that he made you to be strong. He made you to be courageous. There's things that God says about you that are just true no matter how you feel. And Satan comes in a moment where Jesus doesn't feel it, but 41 days ago, God the Father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And he says, if you're really God's son, in other words, you should have some doubts about that. But prove it to me. If you're really God's son, go out of God's plan and turn these rocks into bread. Now, just like every temptation that I have and that you have, Jesus could have done this. It was well within his power. And it even seems, and this is usually how Satan starts with temptation in our life, well, what would be the big deal? Turn some rocks into bread. Well, Jesus knows God's plan for him right now is to be fasting and praying. Look at how Jesus answers this. No, the scriptures say. Now, I'm stopping right there because here is Jesus' ultimate example to us. When you don't know what to do in life, when you have an appetite that is so strong and it seems like God is not going to feed the appetite, how do you still do what's right? You look to the scriptures. That's what Jesus did. He looks to the scriptures. Bread, Satan's whispering in his ear, you need it. Take it. Make it. You can. How does Jesus answer? I'm not going to trust my feelings. I'm not going to trust my stomach. I'm not going to trust the voice whispering in my ear. What does God's word say? And then he quotes God's word. And it's clear that probably after 40 days being out there, he was probably already meditating on this passage, which is from Deuteronomy chapter 8. And Jesus says, here's the solution for my hungers. When my hungers are either unmet or off limits, Jesus says, people do not live by bread alone. How do people live? By every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, all through your life, uh, you eat physical bread, and a few hours later, you get hungry again. Happens to all of us. But Jesus says there's another bread spoken by the word of God, and that's why you're alive at all. Jesus is referring back to Genesis. Remember how God creates? God speaks, and stars ignite. God shapes some dust and there's a sand sculpture that looks like a human man and God breathes and speaks life into it and all of a sudden the heart starts beating and the lungs start breathing and the eyes flit open and life exists because God spoke it into existence. The power of God's word, he speaks and dirt becomes a living thing. And the power is not in the syllables of the language, it's in the creator himself. Without God's spoken word, you and me are just dirt. We're just carbon. But God spoke and there's life. Think about it. Without God's word, there's no sun, there's no rain, there's no you and me, there's no whales, there's no wolves, there's just, there's no life at all. Uh, I've got one of these metal water bottles that I carry around with me and I fill up. Any of you guys have those? And just think, if God's word is this powerful, the words of God bring life to dead things. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just like carry around God's word bottled up? And whenever you're weak, whenever you're tired, whenever you're tempted, you can pull the lid off and you can drink a little bit. Here's what Jesus was teaching there in Matthew 4. Every appetite that you have, and I mean every appetite, your sexual appetites, your appetite for a spouse, your appetite to be something, your appetite for your life to matter, your appetite to have a better relationship with your kids. Every appetite you have, 
will be best satisfied through the words of God. I know that sounds theoretical, but I, my life, it's not the best example, but I'm just telling you as your speaker today, like, this is true. Like, I married who I married because I was following the words of God and she was following the words of God. And then even though we're imperfect and we both have baggage from our childhoods and we've had some real hard times in our marriage, we've followed the word of God even when it goes against everything that we want to do. And it has made us people that we wouldn't otherwise be. And it's made our marriage something that wouldn't otherwise be. And I look at our kids and the home they're growing up in, and I'm just like, God, if it wasn't for your word directing me in simple things, my my life would be such a mess. I'm going to skip ahead here. I want to give you these tools. So if you need a Bible today, text the word Bible to us. You can, if you're watching online, if you're here in, in the building or at Avon, you can get this in the lobby. These are going to go fast, so just snap pictures of them. If you want that Daily Hope devotional, which is always a Bible verse, it's about the Bible, it's not about connection point, text the word daily. Uh, if you ever want to review messages, which is another good way, like Kurt's message last week on prayer was so good, text the word sermons to this number. Uh, this, I know many of you, is part of your weekly rhythm. You'll kind of review the message. I teach it three or four times, and usually by Wednesday, I've forgotten it, so I'm sure you guys probably need to review it as well. Um, You can also listen through any of the podcast apps. Uh, Just type in Connection Point. I do want to give you as well a tool to learn how to use your study Bible. Um, This is about a 15-minute video. I'm not going to play it now, but if you take a picture of this later, you can go um, to that website there, cpinfo.co slash study Bible, or that little funky picture will take you right there if you open your camera. And it's about a 15-minute video that explains here's how you use the study Bible. I'll tell you a funny story about that. Um, I've gotten to serve at a lot of churches. One time I was discipling a teenage boy, and uh, he was telling me about a girl that he liked, and I thought, well, this, I'm not his parents, but has he ever kind of had the talk, you know? And so I started just saying, hey, you know, um, you guys have hormones, you know, this is normal stuff, this is good, but as you're dating her, like, God has expectations about what you will and won't do as far as touching her goes, and I had taught him how to use his life application study Bible to look up things in the back. You can look up fear, anxiety, abortion, taxes, uh, unforgiveness, anything you're dealing with in life, you can look up in your life application study Bible, and I had taught him that on some other things. And he said, oh, yeah, I know exactly what God says about it. And I was like, oh, how do you know? He's like, well, I looked up the word in the back. And it took me to all the passages. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, what did you learn? He was like, I learned that Song of Solomon is really interesting. (laughs) And I said, yes, it is. It's proof that anyone who says the Bible's boring probably hasn't read it. Uh, But the the point is this, you know, when you know how to use a, a good study Bible, Wherever you have an appetite or a need, a pain, a hurt, a desire in your life, you, you can go to God's word and look that up and say, what does God say about this? Because I want to do what God says. And, and you'll stumble, you'll fall, that's fine. God's not after perfection, he's after direction. You know, are you just making any effort to do what the word of God says in your life? Second Timothy 3 puts it this way, all scripture, the whole Bible, some of it is tough steak, some of it is sweet milk, but the whole of it is inspired by God. It's useful. It's not written to be memorized and just put on a wall. It's written to help you in life, to teach us what's true. I mean, we're growing up, our our young people are growing up in a world where what's true? Well, follow your heart. Well, what if your heart tells you to kill people and eat them? Like, should you follow your heart? No, like there has to be a truth outside of your heart. The Bible will teach you what's true, and it'll help you realize what's wrong in your life, which is going to help the people around you, and it's going to help you. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. And look at this. God uses it. If you'll open it and open your heart, God will use it. He'll bring the magic. He'll breathe on it. He'll use it to prepare you. Because he's got good things and important things for you to do in the world. And without his word, you won't be prepared for him. You'd be like a Steph Curry who's like, "Um, I'm a real good shooter, but don't pass me the ball because I don't know how to dribble, right? He'll equip you, he'll shape you, he'll prepare you to live the life you're supposed to live. So in summary, get your tools today. We're giving them away for free. You have zero excuses there. 
set your rhythm. Are you going to do it in the morning, in the evening, on your lunch break? Just pick a time for every day. And then aim for consistency. Don't let Satan beat you up. Don't fall into shame or guilt. You miss a day or a week and you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot all about reading the Bible. That's all right. Just get back up. Aim for consistency. I want you to imagine your life when the struggles and the appetites and the needs that you have are met in God and he leads you on his path. I want you to imagine everyone in your house living that way. That you have teenagers who know how to look in the Bible to find answers to their questions. That you have a marriage where each of you say we're broken, but we're committed to doing it God's way. Could you just imagine what your life would be like? And then you imagine a whole community, thousands of people living that way. It's an awesome thing and we get to be part of it. Let me pray that for you. Father, I thank you that your truth sets us free. And Lord, it is just my heart's desire for every person. God, I want your freedom for them. I want it so bad. I wish I could choose it for them, but only they can choose for themselves. Jesus, you've set us free. Help us now to choose one day at a time to walk in freedom. Lord, we're not looking for a religion. We're not looking for a bunch of rules, but we do want to follow you, Jesus. So help us with these basic habits we're learning, that it would be true of every single one of us, I'm surrendered to God. One day at a time, I keep resurrendering to him. I'm a person who prays. Maybe no one else hears, it doesn't sound fancy, but I tell God what's on my heart and, and I ask him to help. And, and I'm a person who feeds on the word of God. My soul is not starving throughout the week. I'm not reaching for unhealthy things to feed the inner me because I've fed on the bread of life. Lord, may your word transform us into your good and pleasing and perfect best for every son of the king, every daughter of the king, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that. And you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P, dot news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us. And please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.